You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. I'm going to get right into the Word here. And, and my big question, and I'm going to start in reading in Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20. It says this, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light, light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. How in the world did we get here? How in the world do we get to a place where on a Sunday, strip clubs are open and churches are supposed to be closed? How, how do we get to this level of insanity as a nation? This level of insanity as a state and as a city, as a region. How do we get to that place? How do we get to a place where we can't obviously see good versus evil anymore? How did it become so morally confused, the the culture that we live in? So much of the world that we live in, there's just uncertainty around what's true, what's not, right? What do we celebrate and what don't we? What do we write about, what don't we? What do we we allow and what don't we? we? We have such a confused morally confused and uncertain culture that, that can't even call certain things what they really are. Can't even call truth, truth. Can't even speak out about things that matter. And we get to a spot where somehow, somehow, there, there's a thought in this state that this is going to be an acceptable option that some people would say, yeah, let's go and put our stamp on strip clubs being open, but not churches. Uh, how do we get to a spot where we're okay with abortion just in general? Right? How, how do we get to a spot like that? How do we get to a spot where that isn't obviously wrong? Right? There, there, there's, there's this obvious sense in the culture that we're facing right now where we have moral confusion, moral uncertainty, moral ambiguity, uh, your truth, my truth. No, no one can tell anybody what's right or not. You're not allowed to confront somebody's belief systems or actions or ideologies because somehow we've created this moral confusion and lack of clarity. How do we get to that spot where we're calling good evil and we're calling evil good? Yet this is exactly the world that we live in today. When we can't decide whether or not an eight-year-old should be allowed to have a sex change. Right? How, how is it possible that that is even a real question or conversation being had in the world that we live in today, that that would even be something that somebody is even processing? Where's the confusion from? Where's the lack of vision and culture from? And you know, um, Jesus dealt with the same stuff in his time. This isn't brand new to, to the world, Right? Confusion is not brand new to the world. Uncertainty about morality is not brand new to the world. We, we see cycles. A lot of times, one of the things that can kind of remind your, yourself that we've, we've been here before, right? A lot of times, we, we, because we only live one life, we think, man, the height of whatever depravity or issues or challenges we're facing, that maybe nobody has ever seen this before. But we've seen this before. Sin is, is playing the same tune, the same script, different era, different season. But in Jesus' day, 
In, Matt, in Mark chapter 3, this is a, uh, an unbelievable couple verses that really jumped out at me in a fresh way recently. And um, Jesus is in church, and there's somebody who's sick, and he knows that they're not, you're not supposed to do work on the Sabbath. It's a law, and the Pharisees and, and Sadducees, these are the, the spiritual and religious and political leaders of the day are watching, and so he knows he's about to cause some drama in the room. So he stops and he asks this question to them. He goes, which is lawful on the Sabbath? This is shockingly similar to literally today's Sunday. What's lawful on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? To save life or to kill it? What's lawful? What's acceptable on a Sunday? To save or to kill? To do good or to do evil? Right? To, to have a, a joint open that's robbing men of their purpose and destroying homes, right? Or a place that breathes life back into masculinity, right? And, and here's the saddest part about this, this few verses. He says, what is, what's better? Good, evil, save life, kill life. It says, but they remained silent. They remained silent. They couldn't even answer the basic good and evil question. Verse 5, he says, he looked around at them in anger. How many know that this kind of season has this tendency to stir up a little bit of righteous anger on the inside of us? We're just like, how did we get to this spot where me and Pastor Matt are having to do whatever we just did? I don't even know. Okay? Jesus, take the wheel, okay? Uh, what's happening right now? And of course, part of that is our defiant act to just basically make a mockery of the stupidity of, of our system right now. Because we're going to have church regardless of whether we do that or not. So, so either way, we're, we're charging ahead. But, but in anger, Jesus looks at the silence of these political leaders, these religious leaders, because they cannot answer the right versus wrong question. They can't answer it. They're, they're clouded. They're confused about what's real, about what's true, about what's morally right. And you'll find that oftentimes this, this moral confusion that, that we see, where does it come from? How do we get to that spot? Because it's not only in the world that we live in, but have you ever been in that spot yourself? You've been in that space where you're like, man, what's right? What should I be doing right now? Man, this decision or this habit I'm caught in or these thought processes in my mind, I, I'm, I'm locked up and I don't quite know what to do. I feel like I'm in a cloud. Ever been in that space where you just don't feel like you have mental, emotional, spiritual clarity? You feel like, man, God, is God even speaking right now? Is, is God going to say something? Is God going to show up? I, I need to hear from you, God. I need you to answer. I need, I need to know what's right and what's wrong right now. And you can, there can be seasons where we feel like we don't quite know what the truth is. We don't quite know what is right. What is God saying? What does God want us to do? How many want to do what God wants you to do, right? Well, here, let me, let me just show you a, a little bit of a snapshot of 
why we get into kind of moral confusion, why we get to that spot. First Samuel chapter 3, yeah, I preach out of this a lot. <laughs> it's real broken in, real broken in, no narcissism whatsoever. <laughs> so in, in 1 Samuel chapter 3, it's kind of the scene right before the young prodigy, you know, up-and-coming uh, prophet Samuel as a boy is kind of coming onto the scene, but really before that, it's his mentor, Eli, and uh, chapter 3, verse 1 says, The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare, someone say rare, and there were not many visions, right? So the, the word of the Lord was rare, and there were not many visions. Ver, uh, verse 2, one night Eli, whose eyes had become so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. Samuel was lying down in the temple where the Lord uh, of the Lord, where the ark of God was. And then the Lord called out to Samuel, and Samuel said, Here am I. But in this beginning part where it says that there were not many visions, the word of the Lord was rare. Do you think that's because God didn't want to speak? Or do you think it's because God wasn't speaking? No, it was because the prophet of the land of that time uh, was not able to hear what God was saying. See, Eli had been compromised. Eli, see, compromise is what actually begins to create moral confusion in our lives. Moral confusion in the city that we live in, in the world that we live in, comes because of moral compromise. Moral confusion comes from moral compromise. And in this situation, Eli had compromised the integrity of God's house, of God's ways, of God's laws. He had his sons who were doing all kinds of evil, uh, detestable stuff as part of kind of his priest team and abusing God's people and abusing God's ways. And Eli had not confronted it. Eli had not stopped the depravity. Eli had not confronted the sin in his sons and he had allowed it to grow. And God had confronted him, and God had called it out, and because of the sin of Eli and his family and the fact that he would not stop, he continued to compromise, it got to the place where God just said, hey, I'm, not, I'm no longer going to speak to Eli anymore. I'm no, I'm no, I no longer have a word of the Lord that I'm supposed to have for my people because the, the earpiece and the mouthpiece that is supposed to be Eli has grown cold with compromise. It's grown cold with compromise. Compromise is, is, is the killer of our ability to hear clearly from God. Right? If, if, in our lives and in a culture that we live in, it's constantly calling us into compromise, inviting us into it, causing, uh, calling us to kind of discard convictions and passions and, and, you know, standards and, yeah, who cares? Just, just compromise a little. Hey, just, it, it's not that big of a deal. It won't be that big of a deal. Hey, just cheat a little here. Just mess with this a little bit. Just, just a little bit. It won't be a big deal. And the problem is, is that compromise starts clouding our clarity. 
And then we start, we start walking around in life, bumping into walls. We start walking around, not able to see, not able to discern correctly what's going on around us. And it ends up damaging our life. Uh, in, in Proverbs 14, it says, there is a way, someone say, a way. There's a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death, right? See, God has a way for you and me to live. The Bible actually says, Jesus says of himself that I am the way. Someone say the way. See, he is the way, right? He's the truth. He's the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. He is the way. There is a way, but it's not the way, right? And so God has the way for you and me to live. God has the way for you and me to prosper and be in health and to enjoy life and to enjoy all God's favor. But there's a way that the world is going to try to get you to go down the track of. And, and, And compromise is that pathway to destruction, Compromise in, in areas of morality, in our marriages, uh, in our friendships, at our workplace, in whatever situation we find ourselves in, when we embrace compromise, we start getting moral confusion. And I don't know about you guys, but when, when you make one bad decision, doesn't it make it a little bit easier to make the next bad decision? Right? I mean, that's... That's kind of the slippery slope of compromise, right? Oh, it's just going to be one thing. Oh, well, one thing always leads to that other thing, whatever that other thing is. And then that's usually the thing that takes you out, right? So when you're, when you're considering your life and you're considering your, your situation, I always try to always ask myself, is there any area of my life right now that I've been compromising God's character and God's word in my own life. What's the areas? Because I think it can be easy in this. Okay, let's list off the big ones. Okay, not having an affair, haven't killed anybody this week. You know what I mean? So just like, just the big stuff, you know what I mean? Or this year. um, Or lifetime. Um, I guess if you guys need me to clarify all these things. uh, Thought, thought you knew me, but I guess after what I just did a second ago, you're like, well, we didn't know you. We didn't know you. We thought we knew you. <laughs> we thought you had standards. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but there's, there's things in, in our life that we're, if we're not careful, this compromise ends up leading us into moral confusion, which leads us deeper into that. Turn with me to Psalm chapter 1, and I want to read this passage here, because I think it kind of it gives us um, a real snapshot as to kind of the pathway of how compromise works in our life. And, you know, last night I was, you know, I was finishing up studying and then just going, hey, I I wanted to still kind of string this together a little bit, and, and I didn't quite maybe feel like I had the verse that I wanted to, and I woke up this morning, opened up my Bible app to get my, my daily Bible reading plan in, and, and the, the psalm that was my today's Bible reading was Psalm chapter 1, 
And, uh, and it was absolutely God just saying, good morning, and here's your, here's your verse, okay? <laughs> Psalm chapter 1, verse 1 says this, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way, someone say the way, the way of a sinner or sit in the seat of a mocker, right? So David gives us this little snapshot or this little picture and almost like the process of compromise. It starts by walking with the wicked, then standing in the way of the sinner, and then sitting down with the mocker. You think of it a little bit like a progression that initially you're just kind of walking along and you get connected with some people who are getting in your ear about something or inviting you into compromise, and, but you, you stay walking with them. And if you walk with them long enough, you ever in that moment where you walk and then you realize this, is gonna, this conversation is going to continue, so you stop and you start standing and actually having a conversation? How many know that's dangerous if you're trying to leave somewhere and if you're the, if you're the talkative spouse in, in a friendship and you're walking and then all of a sudden you realize your wife is no longer with you, you know what I mean? Because she actually stopped to, to talk to somebody and continue a conversation. Now, it, like, Katie and I go back and forth because sometimes I will shut the place down talking and, but Katie's an ultimate connector relationally, so she will too, right? So she'll keep chatting, she'll keep chatting. And you can tell the difference between you're walking and talking till you stop. Now you get nervous, you know what I'm saying? When, when, that, when, when they stop and start having a conversation, you get nervous, and you get real nervous if there's chairs too close by, you know what I'm saying? Because that standing conversation on the way out of the building here turns into those sweet lounges out in the lobby. Come on, somebody. And now you ain't leaving for an hour, right? And that was, it's a sort of all right. A little bit as an adult, you can hold your, your hunger. But if you're, if you're a child or you're a teenager, you're like, Lord, help me. Get, help my parents leave right now. I need food. I need to head to lunch, right? But, but in, in reality, in our lives, when it comes to compromise, this is what we end up seeing happen, right? We, we kind of go on a walk with compromise. Before you know it, we're allowing a real exchange to happen where maybe I've, I've allowed myself to wander in my thoughts, I've allowed myself to go down a negative track or wrong, wrong habits, decision-making. Before you know it, I'm straight up sitting down at the table fully engaging it. James talked about that our thoughts give, give way into, into sin, and sin, when it is full-grown, gives birth to death, right? There, there's a process. So the, the beauty of the fact that there's a process to compromise is that no matter where you may feel like you're at in some area of your life when it comes to compromise, you can abort the compromise process, you can end the process right now. You can say, Jesus, get me out of this situation. Jesus, set me free from this situation. Jesus, heal me from this. Whatever area of compromise, you can say, I'm going to commit to a different way. I'm done walking down this path. See, there is a way that leads to life, and there is a way that leads to death. So Jesus is the way. But then he also gives us his word, which is the way that we walk on. David says that I run in the path of your commands, 
right? God's Word gives us life and light. It gives us stable ground to walk on. Even in the middle of difficult times, there's convictions that we stand on and hold true to. And if we will remain uncompromised, we're going to remain in moral clarity when the world around us is in confusion. And you know what the world around us needs? It needs a church that knows its truth. It, it, it need, the world right now, when it don't know what side is up and what side is down, it needs a church to be able to boldly stand up and say, this is the way, right? This is the way. This is the way. Uh, anyone enjoy the Mandalorian series, right? It's, uh, it's great. I know, I know Pastor Dr. Matt loves it. I know he loves uh, chanting that and, and uh, whatnot. I don't think he actually does that. Um, but the, the thing about the Mandalorian is it, the whole, his whole premise is that he's got this really strong set of convictions and principles and kind of con, codes of conduct that they do not deviate from. And he can tell instantly if somebody is or is not a Mandalorian based upon this code of ethics that is or is not being followed. And someone could claim to be a Mandalorian, but he can sniff it out really, really fast because he knows what is true and what is not. What are the, what are the, what are the standards that he's supposed to live by and which way he's not? In the same way, what I want to encourage us with is how do we live with moral clarity? It's not trying to just get out there and kind of gunslinging our own righteousness, our own strength. First of all, here's how we get our lives back on track as I kind of uh, wrap this up a little bit. We, we got to, first of all, when you think about this situation uh, that, that David is talking about, walking, standing, and sitting, um, if, you, if you go, if you use that, but from the standpoint of having the right people in your life and the right people in relationship, why don't you, instead of walking with compromise, start walking with men and women of integrity, right? Go, go on a walk with truth, right? Instead of kind of entertaining the, the people that, well, they're just around. They're just my crew. They're just the people in my world. I'm telling you what, it, this isn't, you know, who you walk with matters isn't just a youth message, isn't just a kid's message. It's for every single one of us. Now, we want to make a difference in the world. We want to be light. We want to be salt. We want to reach people who don't yet know Jesus and all, absolutely all of that. But who are you standing and having conversations with? And whose tables are you pulling up a seat at and really exchanging something with? Those need to be men and women of faith. And if you're like, man, I don't got that circle yet, then Tuesday morning, men's and women's prayer, I want to encourage you. You got to come out and get in that circle, get in those mix, get in that setting where you're able to surround yourself with people who are able to call the best out of you, put life into you, put hope into you, get in one of our awakened parties, get in community and relationships, do life together, have some fun. This is, this is a community that's going to be able to remind you, hey, that's not the way. <laughs> this is the way, right? This is the way. Get back on the way, right? Here's the beauty about getting off the way is you can get back on the way, right? No matter how far off the way you got. That's the thing I love about it. God, God doesn't leave you and go, well, well, he's off the track, so on to the next. No, he continually lovingly calls you back to the path, back to the way, back to the truth, back to the life. Why? Because God didn't give up on you. 
Because God still loves you. Because God doesn't want to leave you in your pain, your brokenness. Because there may be a way right now that you feel like you're on in some area of your life. And, and it seems good, but it's going to end in death. And you already feel like it's empty. You already know it's not fulfilling you. You already f- you feel that confusion and that tension on the inside of you. And you're wondering, well, does God still love me with my s- mistakes I've made and with the sin I've done? And the, you don't know the thoughts I think. And you don't know about what, you know, I did last night or last summer or whatever. And, and you know, you, you don't know the, the story or the situation that, that um, I find myself in, but you know what? Jesus loves you anyways, and, and, and here's what he does. He keeps calling you close to himself. So even if you find yourself in moral compromise that has left you in moral confusion, the truth is you don't have to stay there. You don't have to stay there. You, you can get set free. You can kind of get a wake-up of God's goodness. And l- let me remind you um, of the story uh, that, that I think is one of the most beautiful stories in the Bible as, as the, uh, oh, hey, Sarah, what's up? I was say, as, as the keys come up, uh, is the story where there's a woman who has been caught in adultery. And she's been caught in massive moral compromise. And uh, gets exposed, and it's a horrific scenario for, you know, obviously all parties involved. And she gets brought to Jesus. Jesus is teaching in the temple and the Pharisees, again, they're trying to trap Jesus. <clears throat> they have no ability to discern right and wrong. They're, they're in their own confused, compromised state. I mean, Jesus called the Pharisees, which were the political and religious. You got to think of them as like just really jacked up governors. So... <laughs> if, if you can imagine that. And uh, so they're in complete confusion. And, and they say, okay, Jesus, what, what should we do? This, this lady's been caught in adultery. The, the law says we, we got to take her out. We're, she's got she's to get stoned. And, and then Jesus um, says to the crowd, you know, he who is without sin casts a first stone. And it says oldest to youngest. You got to imagine that's because the older you get, the more you realize you ain't perfect. <laughs> it says oldest to youngest. Uh, they drop their stones and they begin to walk away. And Jesus is left there with the woman and says, Where are your accusers? <laughs> where, where are they? They're gone. I have none. And then Jesus says, Neither do I condemn you. And then he says this He says, Now go and leave your life of sin. Go and leave your life of sin. This is, this is the beauty of Jesus. It's what he calls us into. He, he meets us at the point of our sin and our compromise and our dysfunction and all of our shame and all of our embarrassment and all of our you know, mess that we find ourselves in. He meets us there with grace. You, you have a heavenly father who's not... He's not meeting you with condemnation. He's not meeting you with a big old bat to hit you over the head for all the wrong that you've done. You know what he does? He meets you with mercy in that space. He, he, he leans into that moment. And he says, I don't condemn you. He didn't come to condemn. He actually came to save us and to set us free, right? But, but then he says, but now go and, and leave your life of sin. He's basically saying, listen, you were going one way, but that's not the way. That's, that's not the way to life. That's not the way to hope. That's not the way to peace. That's not the way to, to, to find the fulfillment that you want. There's only one way to that. This is the way. This is the way. Leave your life of sin. And you know, 
wherever you find yourself, because in a moment I'm going to pray and I'm going to uh, head off to, to hang with our Bressie campus and, and preach there and hopefully miss the part where I have to do what I just did earlier there. I don't know. Uh, but probably not. <laughs> it's not so I have the tie in the back pocket. And uh, But in, in this moment, you came here. What do you need to leave at Jesus' feet today? What, what, is, there, is there any area of compromise? There may be massive things because maybe you're newer to Christianity and you're like, man, I'm all kinds of messed up. I, I, got, I got baggage on baggage. I got luggage on luggage. I'm just dragging around with me. It feels like every time I come to church, I'm crying, I'm weeping, I'm getting delivered. I'm, you know, I'm, it's everything. And little by little, you're going to keep letting go of those things. And God's going to keep setting you free of those things. And, and, and you're going to keep being able to let go and let go and let go. And the more of that moral compromise that God in His grace helps you get free from, the more clear you're going to see life, the more hope you're going to have, the more strength you're going to have on the inside of you to be able to do what you know you need to do, to be able to live right, to be able to live with peace and strength and confidence. But every single one of us have to kind of keep our hearts clear and clean and go, God, is there any compromise in me? David said that, search me, God. Search me and know my heart. Is there anything? Is there anything I need to get rid of? Is there anything I need to let loose of today? Would you all stand with me to your feet? Jesus loves you and invites you close this morning to get rid of that compromise. In a moment, we're going to have our minister team that will come up. and I'm going to pray over everyone in the room, but... If you're here this morning and you didn't know that, man, there's there's some areas uh, of compromise, maybe in your thoughts, in your habits, in relationships, in your integrity, your character, the range of things from workplace to relationships to marriage to whatever it might be. You know, there's, there's areas where you go, you know what? I know what God's word says, and I haven't been living that way. It's time for me to leave my life of sin. It's time for me to reach out to what God has for me in that area. Then I don't want you to leave today. If, if you got something, you want to come down and pray with one of our team. They want to minister life and healing, and they're going to be like Jesus to you. They're going to, they're going to speak life over you. They're going to speak strength over you, healing over you, and you're going to walk out of this place lighter, fresher, with more clarity about the future, more vision for the future than you've ever had before. So why don't you just lift up your hands and in your own heart, what, what's that thing? What's that, what's that area of compromise? That this is the day to be done with it. This is the day to move on from that. To accept Jesus' grace. Turn, turn your, your life over to Him. Father, in Jesus' name, we come before you today in thankfulness for your goodness in our life. Thankfulness for your mercy in our hearts and in our, in our life. That even in our dysfunctions and our sin and our compromise. You don't leave us. You keep inviting us close. You keep inviting us into freedom. You keep inviting us into grace. God, I pray that today you give us courage to leave any compromise, to leave any sin, and to run to you, Jesus. To run to your presence. To run to your throne. To run to your grace. God, forgive us of our Uh, our sin. Make us new. Make us clean today, I pray. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.
Come on, what a word, and uh, I don't want to leave it at just that word, but I want us to, I'm going to have the worship team just lead us in worship, and I don't want us to uh, rush out of here. I think when we hear something like that, we have to really understand that if we don't draw a line in the sand and really have a deep look at where our life is, we won't change. And I think it's so important when you hear a message like that, you start asking yourself better questions. If we're going to be the church to make a stand, it's going to be the people. We are the church. And in that encounter, we have to have self-reflection on where we're at. And it's not a judgment thing. It's just a place saying, you know what? I've compromised in some of these areas. And I'm going to tell you, when I came to this church, I was probably on the altar every other Sunday. And they did this study. They talked about children, childlike faith. They would run to the front. But as we got older, we got less likely to run down to the front. Maybe it started in high school, maybe college. We started caring what other people thought. And it's amazing. I'm in the marketplace. I could have some of the most real, authentic, band-aid ripped off conversations. I mean, they're telling me all they're saying. But I get with the people that already know Jesus, and it's like they have to cover their sin because I'm going to judge them. And I'm thinking to myself, man, we got it backwards. We got it backwards. As Christians, we got to be the way. We might be the only Jesus our friends ever see. So if we start to get Christianese or put the mask on, we don't want people to know we're struggling. You know, I kind of, I run a connect group, man. I have friends from my, my awakened party group here. And if they saw me go down the front, I might not have it all together. How do I know that to be true? Because I was a fake Christian for 30 years. And I just tell everybody I'm all good. And I was rotting inside. And it wasn't until I came to this church and I had a pastor sit there and walk me through what real authentic Christianity looked like, that he didn't judge me, he loved me, and he navigated through pastoral conversation after conversation after conversation. And if we're going to reproduce that, it's got to start with us. If we're going to be a church that's the salt and the light, we have to be okay with getting a little dirty and then knowing sometimes we got to come clean it up. So I want to pray for us today, and here's the truth. If you don't know Jesus, it's the only way. That's step number one. It's just giving your life saying, you know what, I need Jesus in my life. It's a simple prayer. It's just about asking the creator who created you to come in your life to show you the way. We can't do it on our own. And when we get off track, that's actually when we just started taking our life back and doing it our way especially type A drivers. I better see all type A drivers on the front row. I say that because I am one. But I don't give a rip if I'm leading this church. You're going to see me on the front row. Probably in tears. Because I don't want the little foxes to ruin the harvest that I'm called to have in this life. And it's the little foxes that steal the harvest. So I just want to pray for us real quickly. I'm going to ask my ministry team right now to come down. 
And during worship, don't let this just be the end of it. Don't hurry and be like, man, I got lunch. We always got lunch. Nothing's open anyways. Find freedom today. I need, I need real Christians to be my friends. I can't do any more fake, like they want to quote scripture to me. I want real people in this house to live real lives with power. What I witnessed on Wednesday night, what I loved about Rex Crane was his humanity. He was like a little kid jumping up and down that people were getting healed. And you could feel the power of God moving, but what's so attractive about what he carries is how real he is. He wants people messed up. He wants to get in their mess. And we will not be the church that is gonna judge. We're gonna be the church that's gonna love you. And we're gonna love you right through that mess. And I'm sitting here, I'm kinda hitting on it a little bit because I don't want it to stop. I feel like the Holy Spirit is doing what the Holy Spirit needs to do. What ensnares us is just tripping up and then not telling anybody. I still got Pastor Jurgen on speed dial, favorite. Especially during this time. Thoughts I'm thinking towards my governor. I call my pastor and he says, well, I feel the same way, let's pray together. When you wanna punch somebody, no, you gotta start praying for him first. I don't have to like him, but I am called to love him. Man, I've been tested every day. So I just need to break a ceiling over fakeness, break a ceiling over a hardened heart, break a ceiling over being Christianese. Like you're gonna tell people you're a Christian, but they wouldn't been able to tell. I want the type of people that say awaken is your home that they'll be able to tell by the fruit in your life. Not by what you say, but how you live. And even when you're living, there's some humanity there that God's working on. That's why I love having people in this pulpit that I get to do life with, but I know their real life. And it's not just the real life on Sunday, how they are on Sundays, how they are on Monday, how they are on Tuesday, how they are on Wednesday. And you need Jesus to be that. So Heavenly Father, God, I thank you, Lord, as your Holy Spirit's moving in this house. God, I thank you, Lord, that there's some people right now that actually don't have a real relationship with you. They're either riding on their parents' coat feathers or they go to church because it feels like the right thing to do, but they actually don't have a relationship with you, Jesus. And today, they want to start one. I'm praying for them right now that you were willing to go down to the pit of hell, die on a cross for their sins, for my sins, to redeem death. You were raised from the dead on the third day and you sit at the right hand of your father. Jesus, I thank you for the ultimate price you paid. And I thank you right now that there's people in this building that for the first time will make first time decisions saying, Jesus, I need you in my heart. Jesus, I need you to show me how to be that real thing because I haven't been living that real thing. God, I thank you, Lord, for the rest of us, God, that are trying to figure this thing out. We do want to walk with you. We don't want to stumble. We don't want to trip up. We don't want to walk in sin. It drives us crazy. But God, we haven't been listening to the right things or the right people.
So God, I pray for them right now that we break anything that's not of you in the name of Jesus. I thank you right now that you're renewing their mind, that the old things are gone. And you're putting the things of heaven in their mind right now. And God, I supernaturally pray for an alarm system. An alarm system to be built in their spirit. That then when they start walking down the wrong path or listening to the wrong thing, that God, you hear them supernaturally and the alarm system goes off that this is not the way. And that will ring so loud that they immediately stop and if they're already over the line, they will repent and immediately will be set on the path of righteousness, the right way of doing things. So God, I pray for that right now that you will equip every believer in this house with supernatural gifting to sense and have a supernatural sense of when they're getting off track. God, I break pride right now in the name of Jesus. God, we get ego edging God out, out of the way. So we are unfearful of man, but have a greater respect of you. And if we need to be on the altar where our life is altered, we don't give a rip what other people think of us. We come and clean up our mess right now. So God, Lord, I thank you that you're doing something supernatural, not just in the awakened church, but over the city that we stand for, that we draw a line in the sand for every believer in this city, that there is something supernaturally stirred because it's going to be the people of the church that make a stand against all the craziness in the world, that the righteous will stand and evil will have to back up. God, we reclaim this land. We know your favor is upon it. And God, we stand on the money where it says, in God we trust. And so I call forth the righteous to get back in repentance and get back on the right path, Lord, so we can take back our city, take back our state, take back our country for righteousness. And God, I thank you, Lord, that the righteous pastors, the righteous believers, the righteous those that know good and they know something evil is going on will make a stand today. God, I thank you, Lord. And everybody said. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.